Family, what's going on? We are back on another episode of Faith and Fame with me, your girl, Brittany Q. Hill. Today, we are talking about toxic relationships, narcissism, and domestic violence. And I have an incredible special guest to help me unpack the whole thing. Stay tuned. This is Faith and Fame with Brittany Q. Hill. today we're talking about relationships toxic relationships to be exact narcissism domestic violence all of that and I have an incredible special guest with me the Alma Davis yeah. of Alma Domestic Violence Foundation thank you so much for being thank here thank you for having me you look beautiful girl oh, thank you likewise tell likewise. me what's, what's the recipe give me the sauce because you just I mean you're fine I, what's going on I, I, I don't I know I think um I would like to say it's not having a lot of stress, but that is untrue. I that does help, though. It does. It does. Eliminate and the stress. Eliminate the stress and minding your business, drinking oh, your that's water. A, that's a great Jesus. one. That's all, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. I'm trying to look like you in a few years. You look thank amazing. You. So thank, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So look, I just I wanted to unpack this conversation because we've been seeing a, a crazy rise in narcissism I mean mm. it's like I just I think back to maybe like the 90s when I was coming up nobody was really talking about narcissism but now it's like a very prevalent conversation mm -hmm. um, so I want to unpack this this topic of narcissism and why it leads to toxic relationships and then ultimately domestic violence so let's start here okay because you have some history with all of this yourself. I do. Yeah. I do. Um, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, yeah. Yes. As do I, but you're the professional. Okay. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about your story and how you, what even led you to creating the Alma Foundation. Okay. So I grew up in a household of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, it was a part of my life, all of, most, of, most of my life growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and from having seen that play out daily in my household, mm -hmm. uh, at the young age of 14, um, I started looking for someone to have a relationship with mm -hmm. very young age. Yeah. And I did. I ended up with someone else that was 14 that I thought was this superhero. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was somebody I could divulge and tell information about, like the personal domestic violence that I was watching at home. And mm -hmm. they sort of understood. Right. Um, but it turned out that same person became my first abuser. Wow. At 14. At 14. At 14 years old, mm -hmm. um, I received my first set of black eyes. Wow. From, from this him. Mm -hmm. wow. From him, um, and I said first because he ended up giving me two sets. Wow! The beginning and the end. Wow! Uh, so uh, that was my real first introduction into it, and mm -hmm. at that young age, you know, you're trying to understand process. Is this normal? Is mm -hmm. this right? You're looking at family. Yeah. Yes, this is what I'm seeing mm -hmm. from aunts, other people down the line. So. At that young age, I began to live with it and yeah. just say, I guess this is how it's supposed to be. So that's what started it, and it mm -hmm. continued how? It continued um, because it, it, was a, it was a continuous buildup. Yeah. So my first incident physically was him giving me a set of black eyes. Mm. But I did not see and did not understand and know all the precursors before right. that. Right, yeah, yeah, you know, what, what to look for. What to look for. What yeah. I thought was, oh, he's really into me. He yeah. understands he's a protector mm -hmm. was more so, no, it's the control, it's the ownership because yeah. I have to lure you in and I have to make sure you feel safe with me. So it's interesting because a lot of those traits are indicative of narcissism. Um, I'm familiar, uh, you know, a little bit with uh, 
how it all begins. They start by love bombing you, making you feel like you're just, you know, so special. Yes, you're the one yes. and I want to be with you for the rest of my life right. to create that sense of safety right. and security. And then it moves on to what they call the devaluing stage where now all of a sudden they're picking you apart. You ain't good enough. You ain't worth nothing. Oh, what's and wrong with you? What's wrong with what you? things you need to improve, you know, and, and, that well, even that young, even as an adult, you're yeah. thinking, oh, you know, he's really he or she, because mm -hmm. it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. um, he or she is really interested in me. That they're paying that much attention to me. That much attention. That they want to make me better. Listen, it's it's interesting you say that. Um, I got out of a toxic relationship uh, a while back, and I remember it started off that same way. I mean, I was like, oh, he's the one. He just he couldn't do no wrong. He took me on all these fancy dates. Um, and then slowly but surely he started picking me apart and I remember we would we would FaceTime and I remember distinctly one time he was like, well, why are your face breaking out? Why you got this bump here, this bump there? And, and at first I was like, you know, he don't mean no harm by it. But when I saw over time, he would continually pick me apart. Mm -hmm. And I said something about it. He said, well, as your man, I thought you would just want me to notice everything about you. Most women would appreciate that. But yeah. really, I yeah. saw what was going on. So that's, Absolutely. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, okay, there's so much to go, go with that. So talk to me about, because you said it started there and it mm -hmm. continued. Why do you think women end up in repetitive abusive relationships? You would think after the first one, we would say, okay, I'm never doing that again. But oftentimes it's another one and another one. Right. Number one, because it's learned behavior. You okay. gotta, whatever you've been shown or seen, whether that's a positive relationship a lot of people think like so we're talking about men and women relationships they think oh well if she had a dad in the family then mm -hmm. she would know well that's far from the truth my dad was pre my dad was present mm -hmm. um but there were other things that caused and other things he'd gone through his life that yep. caused him to be abusive mm -hmm. um so a lot of times uh, people are looking for there's a there's a longing there mm -hmm. a sense of longing and wanting to be loved yeah and so a lot of times we'll dumb down mm. red flags or what we hear or what we're feeling yeah, he's not perfect yeah nobody's perfect nobody's perfect right just right his flaws yeah. right and then here's the key thing a lot of times you don't want the other person to see your flaws that's true so you will mask um mat you will forgive and mask what they're showing you right. to mask your own to insecurities yeah own. now that's yeah. deep Wow, why yeah. do we do that? It's just all learned behavior. It's all learned behaviors. So, what would you say are some other key red flags that both women and men can identify early on? Because what I think a lot of people fail to realize that domestic violence is not just a woman being beaten or mistreated; it's men too, children, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, what are some red flags that we can identify early on to keep us from falling into this whirlwind of abuse? Uh, the first thing I always tell people is, is control. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when someone is trying to dominate you or control, because people go into relationships not realizing you were an independent person before you got into that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and you still should be able to be independent. If your independence is being taken away, mm -hmm. then you need to question, is that healthy or not? Right. Because for most people, you want what I have and what you have to come together and we complement each other. Wow. Not you change me, not yeah. you take away from who I am because... You're really supposed to be attracted to who I was exactly from the beginning. Yep. You know, um, so I look at, you know, a lot of control. What, you know, what is what is controlling? Um, you know, I feel like if someone's very insecure mm. about, about you mm -hmm. and they're showing you they're putting their insecurities towards you. Right. That's not healthy. It's not. It's not healthy because yeah. that will only build and build yeah. and build. Mm -hmm. Um 
a lot of times two people get in relationships and they're in such a hurry. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of, no, it takes time for you to really get to know me yes. and for me to get to know you. Yep. An actor, anybody can put on their best foot forward in the beginning. Absolutely. But it takes time because you can only play that role for so long. Right. Well, because, you know, realistically, everybody does that. Men, men and women, Absolutely. when we you know, first meet somebody, we want to present our best selves, our representative. But I always say it takes at least four to six months for that person to actually feel comfortable enough to reveal who they actually are when that mask begins to fall. Right. But so often, I hate to say this, we were in a society where everything is so sexualized. Yeah. So people think as soon as I meet you, I need to get in a, be sexually involved with yep. you. And then you don't get an opportunity to really mm -hmm. know that other person because you've already given of yourself to them. You know, that's so that good. that's a that that's a big and then yeah. we sometimes I say we people they they make that mistake mm -hmm. that happens mm -hmm. and then they want okay well now I want you to get to know me well yeah. he or she Should doesn't it? have to yeah, yeah 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 wow that's true though why do you feel like we equate sex with love talk to us <sighs> wow uh, that's that's a deep one to unpack. Mm -hmm. um, because so many people don't know what real love is, That's good, yeah. they feel the first person that shows them any type of attention, Physical which is intimacy, yeah. that that means, oh, they really they love, me. love me. Yeah, they really love me, and oh. and that's so far, far, from, far from the truth. Far from so the far truth. from the truth. So I want to go back to your story a little bit because I, I've heard it um, uh, previously, and I, I want you to share a little bit about your relationship dynamic with your father because. Domestic violence doesn't just take place in intimate romantic relationships. Right. It's also in the household. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my dad, he had a history of, meaning he was in the military. Um, mm -hmm. We came from a, a town in South Georgia where um, a lot of uh, racist things were still happening. So you got mm -hmm. all these different things compiling yeah. on, on the household. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was an alcoholic as mm -hmm. well. And so a lot of times when you start mixing in alcohol, drugs, on top of other stressors, yep. um, you become abusive, yeah. uh, whether that's verbally, mm -hmm. whether that's mentally, mm -hmm. um, eventually physically. Right. And so uh, he and I always had a power, I don't say power struggle, because I was the baby of the family, mm -hmm. but I was always saying, wait a minute, if I'm watching the Cosbys at the time, mm -hmm. and this is what their family looks like, Mine doesn't, so let me ask questions. The more I ask questions, the more I got got in trouble. Wow. The but I was right. The more I I, I challenged him mm, on that's what it was. What he's doing, mm -hmm. then he took that out on me because I wasn't supposed to ask questions. Yeah. Um. So he and I had a had a lot of struggle go, go, going on. As a matter of fact, um, I moved out. I think I was 16, 17 years old, mm -hmm. and I chose to do the street versus staying in the house because I was running from abuse. So I was getting mm -hmm. abused by him mm -hmm. so and abused by my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So it was it was double. So I said, well, I, I'd rather be out, yeah. you know, and, mm -hmm. and try to get rid of some of that violence. Mm -hmm. um, as we got older, I was 20, I think 22 when I had my first daughter. Mm -hmm. And I just remember um, always wanting to protect her yeah. and not wanting her to grow up in that environment. Right. Uh, and so... Um, I tried to sort of shield shield her from that, mm -hmm. and it was actually in church one day mm -hmm. that I had this revelation. Mm -hmm. um, it was a Father's Day, and I, I was there with my child, and the pastor said, you know, how can you not forgive someone that doesn't know any better? Mm 
Mm-hmm. And a light bulb went off, and it was like, wait a minute. But he had to know better. Right. And in all honesty, God said to me, no, look at his, look at his history. Yeah. Um, just as you, this is the way you've been taught, how come you don't know, how, how do you not know that might not be his, his, right. his thing too. Yeah. And when you dig deep, he, it was a learned behavior from, yeah, for him. It's generational. Generational. Yeah. And, and families being dysfunctional, making mm-hmm. things normal that are not normal. Right. No one stopping to say, hey, um, how can we get some help? Because mm-hmm. it was taboo to share your business out right. with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just learned that that was my dad's story, too. Wow. And so it wasn't until he got uh, in his older age, mm-hmm. in his 70s, um, I continued to do the work that I do. And I would drop little nuggets, little hints here and there. Now, mm-hmm. he was out of the whole physical. That had been years, years and years prior. But mm-hmm. there were still some, there were some still elements yeah, of, uh, the abuse. of the abuse. But not just from, not just from him, but it swapped because it, my, my mother unintentionally became, they both became ver- very verbal abusive to each other. Wow. Um, you know, so as I watched him and I gave him things to do, I would challenge him mm-hmm. to be to be better. Yeah. To go get help, yeah. get therapy. And one day he decided to do that in his 70s. Wow. Because wow. I talked about so much about what we, we do that in my organization. We give people free therapy. Mm-hmm. And I saw his life change. Um, wow. Trem- oh, he tremendously. Took it he t- he did, mm-hmm. and to see a grown man at that age who who wished he could have gotten that knowledge before then, right? To make different choices mm-hmm. was, uh, man, that was it, it's something to to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, on my dad's death deathbed, we we had a real conversation because what started to happen as I began to forgive him. Mm-hmm. His, his and our relationship bloomed. Wow. It blossomed. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Was what caused it to grow. Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness. And and his siblings, different people would come to me if they needed something from their, my dad. Mm. I'll talk to Alma. Because he had a different type of respect for me. Yeah. You know, he yeah. just wanted to be forgiven and understood. Tell me why you think his respect for you was different. Um, I think it goes a lot too because I treat I didn't treat him with the animosity a lot of times that of the hurt that comes That's with message, that. Yeah. Because I understood I I wanted my own healing. I wanted to make sure I was being positive for my children. Right. So I couldn't take I couldn't sh- show that to him and right. still be happy. Most when we talk about unforgiveness, it damages it you. Away at your soul. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other person can go be going on about their Chilling. business, yep. happy, having a good time, and you over mad. Miserable. They they're not thinking about you. Right. <laughs> you know, they've gone on with life. Mm-hmm. And so I think he saw that and he yeah. recognized that in the way I treated him. Yeah. And the way we corresponded. Right. Just out of love. I showed I love him love. That. Radical forgiveness led to your own freedom. Yeah. And healing. I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. Talk yeah. to us about your foundation, girl. Well, the Alma Domestic Violence Foundation was started 17 years ago, okay. in 2005. Whew. Yeah, it's a long, long time mm-hmm. to be doing this work. And it was under the premise of I didn't want someone else to not have the resources like mm-hmm. I didn't have them. Right. And so uh, it started with us just finding little ways to give back. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I dove into it, the more and more I became an expert in it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand the numbers yeah. of people that were being affected. When we look at only 5% of cases are reported. Why, Why is, is that? that? You know, And those are the type of questions I wanted answers to right. from 
people being afraid to report it, the mm-hmm. whole manipulation, domination that goes inside of domestic violence. Right. You know, there's so many different layers. And a lot of times people don't even realize that they're in domestic violence relationships. Yeah, true. You know, so getting educated on that. And the more and more I built and researched and um, started finding real solutions, mm-hmm. the larger the foundation grew. Wow. And so now as a foundation, 17 years, we do everything from rapid rehousing, which means helping people transition out of shelters, Mm -hmm. um, finding safe places, getting them back on their feet, uh, getting them back financially stable, Mm -hmm. because that is the number one reason why people stay in domestic violence. Out of financial. It's finances, uh, lack of or control of. Mm -hmm. Um, We do free therapy for a year. Mm -hmm. So helping people unpack, yeah, you, you got to unpack, you got to face the ugliness yep. in order to become whole. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Helping people find healthy relationships. So what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Not just an intimate relationship, but what does that look like yeah. as a whole? Right, all right. Um, and so we just look at all the different areas and we want people to be holistic. Yeah. So we service men, we service women, mm-hmm. we service young kids. Do you see, I'm just curious, because most domestic violence cases, I would assume are primarily women. Yes. Um, Do you see a lot of men looking for help? We do now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think men are starting to understand, first of all, having their own voice. It's a very embarrassing thing when you go through domestic violence. Right. Um, Real quick, before mm -hmm. you continue to answer that, because men are really getting beat up too by women? Yeah. That's Uh, Well, not just women. Oh, men. And men. In same-sex relationships. Right. It's Got the number you. one. Domestic violence is the number one issue in the LGBTQ plus community. Wow. Now that's enlightening. Yes. It is the number one issue on college campuses. Mm. They call it dating violence. Wow. Uh, and we are seeing so many teenagers. Uh, the numbers are uh, 10 million children, are, 10 million teenagers, excuse me, 10 million teenagers a year are experiencing dating violence. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing more and more of this. Um, and there are some very, very aggressive women yeah. and a very abusive women. Yeah. You know, again, we talk about not just physical, but verbally. How sure. do you talk to somebody? Yeah. Um, the mental yeah, yeah. manipulation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, we, we see we see quite a few so men. So ev- even if it's just verbal and emotional abuse, it's still considered domestic violence. It is still considered domestic violence. And I think that's what violence. the misconception is, is that if yes. somebody's not putting their hands on you, then most people wouldn't consider it domestic violence, but it is. Absolutely. Uh, the physical part is the last part. Mm-hmm. You have to go through all these other major steps before you get to the physical. Right. Okay. Um, you can be sexually abused. Mm-hmm. You can be... Uh, even religiously abused, mm. people hold that over over your head. Um, That's a whole nother episode. A, a whole nother issue. Um, uh, you can be, um, what we said, physical, mental, verbally. It's it's just so many layers yeah. mm-hmm. to domestic violence. And again, people don't recognize. They don't recognize what's a healthy relationship. Right. Yeah. So they don't understand. Okay, wait a minute. This is not. This is not, not good for me. Yeah. 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 Ooh, this is enlightening. Yeah. I would have never even thought or considered that the men who are abused are, you know, in the LGBTQ, I, whatever, the blesses, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, we, we see a lot of the population of people who have vulnerable diseases. So uh, domestic violence is high in cancer patients. It's high, in the, it's high in the AIDS community uh, because for, you're vulnerable your immune system yeah. is weak. Not just in your immune systems. There's a lot of abuse that takes place. So if, if I'm going to use a, a 
a relationship, man and one woman in a relationship, they're, mm -hmm. ma they're married. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the partners, I say the, the wife is sick with cancer. Mm -hmm. And the male may be used to um, that person cooking, that person being a, uh, a, a strong household. Mm -hmm. That can be very frustrating. Right. That is an added stressor. Mm -hmm. um, that person not being able to take care of themselves anymore and needing dependence from that other person. That's another stressor. Even if that person is a breadwinner, bringing mm -hmm. in money that... You know, right. those are all compiled things. So it is a large population of people who are suffering from certain disease, from any vulnerable or long-term disease um, that are getting abused. And then, again, you go through, I'm not myself. Mm -hmm. I can't be my best self for this yeah. person. Mm -hmm. So let me be subjected to different things wow. to let them know I'm still here yeah. for them. Yeah. And then I also just think about, like, one reason why people may stay in it or endure it is because of the embarrassment and the shame that comes with it. Yes. Because it is embarrassing to say, I'm getting, you know, abused. And then especially if you're in a situation where you have kids, people might want to stay because of the kids or financial reasons. And other people are looking at you, well, why don't you just leave? It's not always that easy. It's not that easy. Yeah. And that is the reason why only 5% of cases are reported. There you have it. The numbers are one out of every four women, mm -hmm. one out of every seven males. Wow. But that's with 5%. When you add the other 95% is more like one out of two women, mm -hmm. one out of four males. Yeah. And the pandemic um, did not help. Mm -hmm. It exacerbated. Right. People are at home. People are at home. Enduring. Enduring. And you might be, well, you know, I don't see you but a couple hours a day because you're gone. Yeah. You're, you're working. Mm -hmm. But now I'm subjected to spending all day, all night with you. Right. What it did it. Added stressors, I'm sorry, additional stressors. Mm -hmm. You got children at home who you're not used to being at home with. So yes. you add all that stuff, and it's we've been very busy oh, <laughs> from the pandemic. I believe it. I'm like, that's great for your business, but that's not so yeah. great because yeah. that means there's more people dealing with this. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Alma. Will you, I, I do something called um, an elevator sermon. So I'm going to ask you to just give us an encouraging word. Talk to the men, the women, the children that may be in a current situation, maybe have dealt with it, maybe are dealing with the, the shame and the embarrassment, maybe that's why they're staying in it. Just talk to us about or talk to those people and help them find a way to cope, get out, and how they can reach out to you for additional okay. help. Okay. The first thing I would say to you is that you are not alone. I know that has been told to you over and over and nobody understands, but that is far from the truth. There are people, there are programs out here that care about you, that love you, and they want the best for you. And being in a toxic domestic violence relationship is not the best. You deserve better. Mm. One of the organizations is the one that I lead, which is the Alma Domestic Violence Foundation. You can call us um, anytime we have a 24-hour hotline. You can reach us on the web at Alma DVF. That's Alma D for domestic, V for violence, F for foundation.org. Um, all of our information is there. You can even send us private messages via social media. We are Alma underscore DVF on Instagram and Twitter and Alma DVF on Facebook. So we are here. We will listen to you. We will help you. If you are ready to get out, we can help you with a safety plan. We just want to make sure that you deserve the best that you can get in this life. And it is not being abused. Amen. That was incredible. Thank you Thank for you. being oh, here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, y'all. That concludes another episode of Faith and Fame with me, your girlfriend, Nikki Hill. Make sure you leave us reviews, like, subscribe, comment, and follow us on all social media platforms at Faith and Fame TV.